Welcome to episode 135 of Your Kids Next Read podcast, in which we talk about books and reading for kids of all ages. I'm Alison Tate, author of Middle Grade Adventure Series, The Mapmaker Chronicles, The Ataban Cipher, The Maven and Read Mystery Series, and my new middle grade novel, The First Summer of Callie McGee. Usually I'm here with my co-host, the splendid Megan Daly, teacher librarian at Children's Books Daily and author of Raising Readers and editor of Teacher Teacher. But I'm currently flying solo for a summer mini-series that we're calling Behind the Books, in which we talk to some of the people who are part of bringing you the wonderful Australian children's literature that we have on our shelves, in our bookshops, in our libraries, outside of those who actually write the books. There are six episodes in this series dropping over the summer break. This is the second. You'll still find our show notes at yourkidsnextread.com.au, where we'll share links to the books mentioned because we ask every one of our interviewees to recommend some brilliant books for you. And I'll also put links to some of our most popular book lists and other bits and pieces in those show notes. You'll also find Megan and I, along with our good friend author, Alison Rushby, in the Your Kids Next Read community on Facebook. Search for Your Kids Next Read there to join us. And don't forget to sign up for the Your Kids Next Read newsletter at yourkidsnextread.substack.com. We give away a big stack of our book mail every single month. And all you have to do to be, um, you know, eligible for that particular prize is to be a newsletter subscriber. You'll find all the links in the show notes. If you have a child in their early years of school, you're no doubt feeling overwhelmed by uniforms, apps and lunchboxes. But has anyone offered to help you with the reading? In her updated and expanded Reading Ready Online Masterclass, author and educator Megan Daly will show you the ins and outs of early literacy demystifying those first few years of school reading and helping you to support your child in their reading journey. For just $15, the course includes a one-hour video, recommended reads list, exercises, and a downloadable guide. You'll leave feeling empowered and ready to take an active role in encouraging literacy development and fostering a lifelong love of reading. Get instant access now at childrensbooksdaily.com forward slash shop. So, who have I got lined up for you this time? If you've ever wondered how publishers decide which books they'll publish and make available for readers, this interview will be fascinating for you. At the time of our interview, Claire Hume was the children's publisher at UQP, but now at the time of airing, she's moved to become the children's publisher at Thames and Hudson Australia. So, she is well immersed in uh, the world of children's publishing. Claire Hume has worked in publishing for over a decade. She began her career in-house at Penguin Books, where she was the recipient of the Company Innovation Award. In 2016, she joined a firm press to launch their children's book list and went on to publish uh, an award-winning and commercially accessible selection of books for children and young adults. Claire has worked with many well-loved children's book creators and published award-winning books across the age ranges of children's and young adult literature. So let's have a listen to Claire. Welcome to Your Kids Next Read podcast, Claire Hume. It is so lovely to have you with us today. Thanks, Alison. It's lovely to be here. Okay, so we are going to talk about the role of the publisher behind the books. So I guess my first question is, like, how did you become a publisher of children's literature? Oh, well, it was uh, not a direct way. I don't think anyone would become a publisher just suddenly you know, studies to become a publisher and becomes a publisher. I um, was an underwater photographer in a past life and oh, then well, just, okay. started doing um, 
have always been a massive reader and I actually started in a temp role at Pearson Education and then did three maternity leave roles across production and sales at Penguin Random House before getting a permanent role as the editorial assistant in the Penguin Children's um, Publishing Department. Um, And so I worked there as an editor for a number of years and then I made a big move to a fan press where I started their kids list. So um, that was like a big jump, I think, to kind of really doing a lot of the publishing side of things and it was just me and the children's team at the start, obviously, with supporting roles. Um, And then from there I moved to UQP. So I think in a way moving around really helped me become a publisher Um, but mainly it was, I think probably the fact I've always been really hungry to find stories. So from the beginning, even when I wasn't in editorial, I've loved the chance to read submissions and the, like the magic of finding something special. I'm a real, like I'm a searcher and I'm curious. Um, so yeah, that, that's how I came to be where I am. Wow. So an underwater photographer. As a starting point, I don't think I've heard that one before. How did you become an underwater photographer? Like, how is that even a thing? So I did I did a visual arts degree and majored in photography and then moved up to far north Queensland um, and got a job on the tourist boats there taking the underwater photos. So it's probably not as glamorous. I wasn't, like, working um, with sharks for stones or anything like that. Uh, but, 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 but still fun, right? It was fun. It was fun. <laughs> All right. So what does a typical day look like for you now that you're a publisher? Oh, it's so varied. I think like reading is obviously a huge part of it, but that's often the part that gets really squeezed. So I try to have one day a week where I turn off the noise of everything else and look at my submissions, which is not always easy because you have books in production that the next drafts come in and you want to check how it's looking or you've got um, some cover concepts that have come in and you need to figure that out or you need to be putting some draft sales points down for your books or you're like um, madly rushing an acquisitions brief because there's a submission that's coming that you desperately want and you need to get it approved so you can make an offer and you're negotiating contracts um, and looking after your authors. So publisher kind of is with a book from from the start till, and I don't even know if a book really has an end because they go on, but um, from start to finish. So uh, the publisher's the person who's kind of got oversight on all of the things that happen from there in between. Um, So keeping all that um, going, sometimes having really tricky conversations and problem-solving things is also a big part of it. Mm. I could go on, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's a very, I know it's an incredibly busy and diverse role and communication across every aspect of it is probably one of the key skills that you require, isn't it? Because you have to talk to so many different types of people and articulate, you know, everything, as you say, from problem solving to, you know, the concept of what 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 it is that you see in a manuscript and why you feel it should be published. Yeah, yeah. And also like every person you work with is different. So finding, you know, the the right approach for different people is often, often it comes after doing a few books together. I mean, I think it's great having like a really good team, like great a great editor on the project. Like there's lots of people that you can lean on and that do a lot of that too. Um, but yeah, it is, it is pretty vast. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what what is the UQP philosophy when it comes to publishing books? Like, what are you looking for 
in the manuscripts that are submitted to you? Well, I think firstly, it's about trying to remember what a privilege it is to be in a position to be publishing books and never taking that for granted. So like I try to learn more about unrepresented voices through listening and reading stuff. Um, and, and I love that chance to publish something that's fresh. So I think one of the biggest joys of my career so far has been working on some of UQP's upcoming picture books from um, First Nations authors and illustrators. But but I think in a broader sense, um, you really just, it sounds so kind of vague, and, but it's like you connect with a story and I think different publishers connect with different things. Um, I know I'm a real sucker for um, like really beautiful illustration. Mm-hmm. But also, um, say in middle grade and really, I'm a real sucker for tension. Uh, so, you know, I really like that momentum of tension. And obviously, character is everything. There's heaps of other facets of it. But I think each publisher probably has a slightly different, um, uh, not a keel and seal, but they have a different sort of special thing that they get drawn to. And it's right. not always easy to um, put into words. And I guess that's something I, I know when I go and do workshops, you know, for budding children's authors and um, I'm often saying to them, you know, you have to remember that it's a subjective, um, you know, obviously a publisher is looking at something with the market in mind, they're looking at something with the philosophy of the publishing house in mind, but as you say, there's always going to be a soft spot somewhere um, and they are looking for things that that appeal to them as well. And yeah. um, and so it's one of those things where if you are an author and your book, you know, is, you know, um, you know, not successful, it's a matter of picking yourself up sometimes, isn't it, and trying somewhere well, else with it because I'm you just it. don't know what is, you know, what's going to be the right book on the right day at the right time sort of thing. Absolutely. And it's probably the worst part of this job is having to decline people's work because you know how much time goes into it and I think that's such a great message because yeah what UQP is publishing is very different to what another publishing house in Australia will be publishing and I think also you really want whoever's publishing your work you do really want them to love your work and so I guess Mm. that's worth remembering so if you need something to pick yourself up like finding that person that really loves your work and that's going to champion it and it doesn't necessarily um you know, sometimes work takes a lot longer and it takes a couple of back and forth between, you know, a writer might talk to one publisher and get a bit of feedback and it never quite, get, quite gets there. But then they'll pick it up a year later and go, I'm going to keep going with that and tinker and then send it to someone else who it's just the right time, right place, right person. That's right. So when you're assessing uh, um, manuscripts or thinking about your list, you know, for the next year or whatever, how much do like trends and public discourse play into your decisions about the books that you want to bring to the market? Oh, it's a really interesting question because I think it's so important to be curious about the world and know what's going on around us. But I don't know that there's ever a way to stay up with the trends, mm-hmm. particularly for picture books. Like their lead time is so huge. I feel like often you'll see a pattern in trends in in children's publishing and it's like there's a lot of people who just are a bit late into it and by that time it's kind of past. Yeah. Um, but sometimes trends are here to stay too. So something that might be seen as a trend at the start is actually an area that's just growing and there's a hunger for it. And so 
I think you then have to go back to what what is it that you love, what is it that you think is special. And if it taps into a trend, then great, but you can't publish to a trend. Yeah, that makes sense. So what do you see as the biggest challenge, you know, facing Australian children's publishers at the moment? Um, I think I had a, I couldn't think about this. I mean, I think time. So like with the advances of technology, everything can be done faster, but good stories in time. Um, and some, some stories come to you fully formed and, and it's fine, but um, all publishers have quite depressions in the current climate, so there's even more strain to get things done within a time frame. And I think, you know, sometimes our story, all it needs is contemplation in order to be brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and back in the days of snail mail, there must have always been time for this deeper thought, but now it's much trickier. And I think there's so many more challenges at the moment, but that is probably one of the biggest challenges, I mm. think. Mm. So what advice or tips would you give parents about finding great books for kids and actively encouraging reading? Well, libraries and librarians in Australia are undervalued, in my opinion, but I think going to libraries and advocating for libraries is really important. Um, I think sometimes it's just being like, um, a bit dogged about finding the right book for your mm-hmm. child too. Like mm-hmm. don't kind of give up and be like, oh, I gave them, we went to the bookshop or we went to the library and they didn't like anything. I think it's about finding the right book for a child because um, once they get that magic moment where they find a story that really pulls them in, they've experienced that joy of books more, particularly for like kids that are going up to reading like they were in junior fiction novels or middle grades. Um, yeah, I think that's so important. And using librarians and booksellers in this search, you know, and podcasts like yours, like just relentlessly searching until you find something your child likes. And I think, like, I know myself, screen time is really difficult to um, limit as much as we'd hope, but I I feel like that that's important too, like finding a space for your child to enjoy books where it's mm. like this is this is quiet time or whatever, but, you know, that's not always an easy thing to do. No, it's not. But as Megan and I always say, it's fight worth having, right? <laughs> yeah, again, yeah, exactly. All right. So um, we'll, we'll finish up today. Thank you very much for your time. Um, these uh, little summer podcast episodes that we do are just like a tiny insight into into the greater book world. And um, I, you know, I know how, you know, you talk about time. I know how busy time is for people. Even when time slows down, it still seems to be busy, right? Um, so we'll finish up today with um, maybe if you could recommend an Australian children's book or two that you've read recently that you would like to bring to the attention of our wonderful listeners out there. Yeah, well, um, I really loved Be Careful, Child Chin by Alice Kong and Shogunu. Mm. Um, that's a really really special story, and My Strange Shrinking Parents by Zeno Sorda. I just felt they were both very unique and thoughtful stories, like still entertaining for kids, but they have those layered themes um, and conversations for small children to ponder. So, you know, really love stories that might not have all the answers but provoke the curiosity in a reader, and I felt like both of those books did that. Fantastic. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for spending approximately 10 minutes with us today. And uh, best of luck with that massive submissions pile that you have. Uh, thank you, Alison. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Claire Hume. I always find it so fascinating to um, chat about that selection process and there are just so many factors at play. In the next episode of Behind the Books, I'm actually chatting to Jenny Stubbs, the 2023 recipient of the prestigious Nan Chauncey Award, which honours individuals who have made an outstanding contribution to the field of Australian children's literature. I do hope you'll listen in. Uh, Jenny has been um, active in the children's literature field for many, many years, and she has so many interesting things to say. In the meantime, you'll find me at alisontate.com, on Instagram and Facebook at alisontatewriter, and of course, in the Your Kids Next Read community. Look for Megan at megandaily.com.au and childrensbooksdaily.com, or follow her summer holiday adventures at at megandailybooks on Instagram and Facebook. And um, I'll talk to you next time.